Today's Callahan Show is sponsored by MyPillow. Go to MyPillow.com and use code word Jerry for huge discounts. For example, you can get the standard MyPillow, which is normally $69.98 for only $19.98 with code word Jerry. I'd call that a huge discount. MyPillow is made in the USA and it comes with a 10-year warranty. It's machine washable and dryable. It's the most comfortable pillow you will ever sleep on. Makes an excellent gift for Christmas. Get it now. And you can support this show and you can strike back against cancel culture. As you know, like us, Mike Lindell is constantly under attack from the cancel culture mob. By purchasing from MyPillow, not only are you helping this show, you're fighting back against cancel culture. MyPillow isn't in the big box stores anymore, so you can get factory direct pricing if you order from MyPillow.com using code word Jerry. We got our my pillow stuff, and I gotta say, I love it. I love my Giza sheets. I love my my pillow, and I tell, I'm telling you, Bug the Chug loves his dog bed. Uh, you know what else I I I, I want for Christmas? I'm, I'm asking. I'm literally asking for Christmas, Carano. The slippers. I saw Mike Lindell showing off, uh, kind of uh, uh, promoting the, uh, the slippers. I love the slippers. I, can't I have, have a to pair, get and I, I have a pair, and I love them. Did you get a pair? Yes, I didn't tell you. I did get you. a pair and I didn't get a pair. <laughs> my wife well, had me buy a bunch of stuff because she loved it so much. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to my my pillow slippers. You can get them too. Just go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Jerry. That's G-E-R-R-Y. 800-893-7406. Promo code Jerry. Today's Callahan Show brought to you by DCU. Do you love your carpet? Hate your car payment? No problem. Refinance your car today with DCU and they could help lower your monthly payment, lower your interest rate, or both. Applying is easy and their loan experts will help you find the loan term and the payment that fits into your budget. Get out of that high rate loan and get the interest rate and the payment you deserve from DCU. Learn more and apply today at dcu.org slash refinance. Insured by NCUA membership required. This is the Jerry Callahan Show. Welcome to the Callahan Show. I'm Matt Carano, and this is the weekend between Christmas and New Year's. Most people are enjoying the holidays and their family, and we are no different. But Jerry wanted to make sure you had some content to get you through in case you're traveling or have some downtime. So for the next three days, we'll be releasing a podcast every day with interviews from the past year. And we think this is a good way to do it, uh, to look back at some of the biggest topics of the year without doing a you know some silly countdown show. So today is part one of three and features interviews from closer to the beginning of 2021 when Jerry spoke with Jesse Kelly, Janice Dean, and Bobby Burak. So first up is Jesse Kelly from the January 15th episode of the show. And this was, you probably remember, just off right off the heels of the January 6th protest uh, at and in the Capitol, uh, the inauguration, uh, Trump backlash was in full effect. And so Jerry and Jesse discussed all those things and more. So here's Jerry with Jesse Kelly. Now is a guy we've been trying to get on for a while. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. It is Jesse Kelly from the Jesse Kelly Show, a noted uh, radio guy, TV guy, an ex-Marine, a sociopath, a narcissist, and, and a guy with uh, with community college credits. I always yeah. wanted. Let me start with this, Jesse. How many credits do you have? Almost three years worth. I mean, look, I had to drop algebra a few times, so I never ended up finishing the associate's degree or anything like that. But almost three years at an accredited community college. I, I, don't, I don't like to brag. I am impressed. It is an impressive biography, to say the least. And I, I, I guess there's no such thing as an ex-Marine, right? So you're a Marine? That's right. A Marine, former Marine, it doesn't matter. I don't, I don't get offended. 
And you are a great follow on Twitter. I recommend it at Jesse Kelly DC. At Jesse Kelly DC. That's right. At Jesse Kelly DC. I want to start with. Uh, I'll tell you why we tried to get you on a while ago. Because as you know, you're uh, captain of Team Reality. You are the. You were the anti-lockdown guy from day one. And I mean, you kind of led the charge. I felt like you were the leader of the resistance. And now, I mean, here we are, whatever it is, 10 months later, 11 months later. And everybody's saying what you said from the beginning, what I said, even Andrew Cuomo. Do you feel like, I mean, do you, did you feel like the leader of this uh, resistance, the leader of this movement from day one? And do you feel vindicated? I don't. I don't know that I feel like I. I I'm the leader of it. I. I. I guess I was the first national voice that was because it was day one. I was saying it. Uh, I don't feel vindicated because I always knew I was right. I, it wasn't one of those things where I was unsure of it. I. I just. And it didn't make me some expert. I, I, anyone who's familiar with small business knows, or business in general, you can't just stop and start it like it's a DVD. It, that's not how economies work. It's just not how they work. And I saw in the beginning, too, these governments, like you mentioned Cuomo, that idiot, all these governors and mayors, they can't print money like D.C. does. They have profit loss sheets just like any other business. And they all ran for office promising this giveaway and that giveaway. And you're taking your revenue stream and shooting it in the back of the head when you lock people down. Of course he's waking up. They're all going to wake up and freak out now because the revenue is <laughs> there. And you you point – I mean you're obviously an historian. You're – you're you're very uh, steeped in history. You talk about it all the time, and you point out this is the first time in human history, as far as we know, that a country involuntary—I mean, a country voluntarily—tanked its economy. This was the first time. I, I, I mean, we we went through you know the Spanish flu and every other epidemic where we just kind of powered through them. This was the first time we shut everything down, which, in, when you look back, it just seems insane. I mean, even now we look back and say. We really did that one day. We just said, let's shut the whole thing down. Well, I've never seen anything like it. I, I have never seen anything like it in my life. I felt like, I, frankly, for the last year, I felt like I'm living on a different planet from anybody else. And you're right. I, I, I love history. I, I'm certainly, I don't know if I'd consider myself an expert, but I read it. I listen to it. I watch it. I just consume it by, hour, by the hour. And I can't think of another, another scenario in human history. Economies have gone bad and wars and depressions and famines. Right. These things are common throughout history. I can't think of another example where a nation, any nation, pointed to its economy and said, stop moving. That, 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 that doesn't happen. Nobody would do it. It's national suicide what we did. They'll write about what we did 500 years from now in the history books. They will write about the coronavirus lockdown. And I was with you, and one thing I expected was it would change on November 4th. I, my, my, my feeling was they were all gearing toward Election Day, hoping to defeat Trump. You know, the more chaos, the more the economy struggled, the more likely it was that Biden would win. Biden won, and I was wrong, man. It didn't change. <laughs> they doubled down. They kept on, you know, California shut the whole thing down after Election Day, and so did a lot of other states, including my state, Massachusetts. It's not about Trump, is it? No, it's not all about Trump. Now, they quickly realized they could use it to hurt Trump. But, I mean, people have to understand, these mayors and governors and senators and congressmen, these people are all lifetime losers. These people are all the guys who grew up getting picked on in high school. They've never had an ounce of power, never had a pretty girl, never had any of that. And they get into politics, and now they have power. And you think a mayor who's been a lifelong dork 
and now just found out he has the power to point to this business and say close and point to that business and close and you have to wear this and I'm sending the cops to your house if you don't do that. You think that guy's going to wake up one morning and say, oh, I don't like this power anymore. People don't give up power that way. People love power. And they, and they don't seem to care that it's not working. I mean, you and, and others, you're tweeting constantly about how lockdowns have failed, how lockdowns fail everywhere. And their response to it is, let's lock down again. Because the last one failed, we'll try it again. It just, it's a bizarre, uh, you know, reflex to, to whatever the, you know, the problem is, we'll, we'll do it again. We'll make it worse. But it's not bizarre, Jerry, because it's, it's what every system, whenever you get a system that's rotten and corrupt, every country has a system. But when systems get rotten and corrupt, the one thing they all have in common, now you saw this a lot in the old communist countries. One thing they all have in common is they never blame themselves. The system will make mistake after mistake after mistake, and they will never acknowledge it. In fact, they'll find a way to put it on somebody else almost immediately. In fact, that riot at the Capitol last week is a perfect example of this. Immediately in the wake of that riot, they moved to eliminate Parler, which is the competitor with Twitter. I'm sure all your listeners know. They moved. They eliminated Parler. It's a place where they organized the Capitol protest. Go get Parler. And they wiped them out. Parler's gone. Completely wiped them out. And we find out today... The Capitol protest was organized on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, the, the three that are part of the system. But the system never wakes up and says, oh, that's on me. They'll not only do something terrible, they'll find a way to put it on you. They're never going to wake up and say, oh, we were wrong about the lockdowns. The solution I, I, is always more failure. I was going to get to that. I mean, obviously, the lockdowns is when I first noticed you and, and, and realized that you kind of have a knack for seeing these things coming. And, uh, you know, you turn to certain guys depending on what's happening in the world. Like if, if you want to talk about whatever, uh, uh, UFOs, you know, you'll listen to Joe Rogan or talk about the Supreme Court. I'll listen to Ben Shapiro. Right now, I feel like Jesse Kelly's the place to go if you want to hear a guy talk sense about insurrections and, you know, the, the, the coming civil war, you have been predicting this was going to get ugly. And I think you're still predicting it's going to get really ugly in, uh, uh, you know, under Biden. But I, I take it you weren't the least bit surprised at the at, at the insurrection, I guess we're calling it, the, the violent mob that entered the Capitol last week. No, the only thing that shocked me about that violent mob entering the Capitol was that it shocked other people. I, I don't know how people can't see this coming. Donald Trump was, whether you love him or hate him, he was an anger candidate. He was the response to the right being angry. The right was extremely mad about Obama, extremely mad about all the social justice crap, mad about what's happening to their culture. So they picked a candidate they thought would punish the other side. So they were already mad back in 16. And then you spent four years telling people who were already mad that they're Nazis, they're white supremacists, they're, they're this, they're that. You impeach their president twice. You bogged down his presidency with collusion investigation. Then you burnt down American cities and told us it wasn't burning down American cities. It was actually just a little civil unrest. And you're shocked that some of that violence goes back the other way? Oh, it's coming back the other way, and it sucks. It's horrible. I hate it. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I'm telling you, though, we're going to have more people getting hurt because now they're going to double down on more of that and more of that and more of that. Let's impeach him again. Let's call everybody a white supremacist. You people are playing with fire. It sucks. I I was thinking the same thing. The reaction to this is to call everybody a white supremacist who voted for Trump. AOC is calling for a commission to rein in the media. Uh, this is uh, and and a whole bunch of Congress people that you saw 
said that the uh, the capital, the raid on the capital was an inside job. So the people, the the MAGA lunatics who stormed the castle were working with, they, not only they say Capitol Police, but working with other members of Congress. My congresswoman is the utterly unhinged uh, Ayanna Presley. Oh. And she, and she says, uh, believe me, she's entertaining. She's the craziest person in Congress. She says there are white supremacists in Congress who worked with the mob to let them in. And by the way, the ultimate goal was to murder Congress people. Oh. And I'm going, wait a second, are we taking this seriously? Because if we are, as, as you say, all that there's going to be an equal you know, reaction, uh, a reaction to this insanity. I don't know what it is, but we're not certainly tamping down the, the tensions, are we? No, we're not. I'm serious, Jerry. I, I really, I mean, I despise communists. I hate the left as much as you can hate anything, but I don't want to see a single leftist get hurt. I don't want, I don't like this political violence crap. It's an awful, awful turn of events for the country. But I really, I really mean this. Somebody's going to die. And I don't mean a normal Joe like you and I. I mean, there's going to be a congressman or a senator. Someone's going to get killed. That is the kind of environment we've created now. And that sucks. But they're not doing anything to calm people down. Everything seems to be poor gas on it and poor gas on it and poor gas on it. And it's, it's driving me nuts. They can't see it. Or maybe they don't want to see it. I, I've said all along, you, can't you just hate Trump honestly? Can't you just be honest about it? Do you have to make stuff up like, you know, the Russian hoax, the Ukraine thing? Even now, they're they're making stuff up saying, you know, he, he incited them to violence. Then you look at the speech, you hear the speech and you go, no, he actually didn't. But they can't do it honestly. You say this all the time. You wish your side would fight as dirty as, as they do. I mean, you look at Pelosi and you say you wish you had some of her people like her on your side. It's been never, never more in obvious than it is right now. Is they are fighting dirty. Well, that's how they. Leftism is not a political ideology. It is a religion of domination. That's what it is. So it never stops. It never slows down. They never. They never look at everything they've conquered and say to themselves, "Oh, you know, I think that's enough." Leftists only see things they haven't taken over yet. That's all they ever see. It's the offensive. <laughs> ideology. So Nancy Pelosi, I mean, I'm right about that. We could use 20 of her on our side. Nancy Pelosi tells people for months, wear a mask, follow the rules, don't kill somebody, then gets busted inside a salon. Everyone saw the video, no mask on, violating all the haircut rules. She does a press conference about it. Does she apologize like the Republicans? Oh, I promise I'm not a white supremacist. No, she stands up there and says it was a setup. This salon's a scumbag. You're all wrong. Anyway, no more questions. Goodbye, everybody. They never back down. And people and, and on the she, right were so mad about that. That's how you play. I Convince me that this crackdown, this this big tech crackdown, isn't that bad because it feels awful, man. I have this feeling like, like something bad is on the horizon and once Biden takes over and they are in complete control, it's going to get uh, ugly. And then, as you probably heard, my friend Kurt Schilling, his insurance company canceled him. People are losing their jobs because they went to the rally, not because they went to the Capitol, because they went to the rally or they said something about election fraud. They're being canceled. It just feels like it's going to get worse because, you know, they're they're. Their guy is going to be in the White House. And again, they don't do it honestly. They say we're canceling parlor because it, uh, you know, this was promoting violence, which it wasn't, or at least not to the extent Facebook was. They they can't just honestly say we're in control now. We're taking charge. They they'll say you're white supremacist, so we have to cancel you. 
But you've been canceled by Twitter. I believe you were permanently banned, but you they let you back, right? That's correct, yes. I, yeah. I was permanently banned, and then a couple U.S. senators got mad about it, and Twitter brought me back. But they're going to ban me again soon, and that's fine. And look, I don't have anything as far as good news to tell you, Jerry, because I can't, I can't stress this to people enough. Because we're Americans, and we love being Americans, we, for some reason, think the American leftists are different than communists have always been. They're not. They think the exact same way. If you think it's going to stop at social media or Twitter or Facebook, you've got another thing coming. They are coming for all of it because they don't view you as a person. Again, back to the religion talk, you are a heretic. And what do religions famously do with heretics? You deserve everything that's coming to you if you're on the right because they think you are violating their God. You are standing up to their God. That's why pointing out leftist hypocrisy doesn't work. They know they're hypocrites. To them, it's not the same. Yes, they're allowed to do it. You're not allowed to do it. You're a Nazi, but I'm allowed to do it because I'm on the right side of it. That's just how they view things. I think think they justify everything because Trump was evil, right? He was evil. The orange man was evil. And therefore it justified anything, making up a, a Russian hoax or making up anything because you have to stop evil do whatever it takes to stop him. And you know what, Jesse? It worked. You know, they succeeded. They stopped him. What do you think happens next with Trump? I mean, you've been pretty prescient. I mean, you've, you've, you've seen things coming as well as anyone I, I follow. Where, where does he go now? I think he just takes some time off. I think you're going to see Donald Trump take some time off, disappear for a few months, and then I think you're going to see big old Trump rallies again. I wouldn't right. be surprised in the least. He's not going to give that up. He he loves those rallies. He's going to he's going to stay with it. And but he's not a, a viable candidate in four years. Do you believe? Do you think? Oh, I think he's very viable. I do think you? he's extremely viable. Yes, I, I, if he ran tomorrow, he'd be the candidate. Do you like anyone else? I mean, I know you get asked that all the time. I do. I get asked that all the time now. I love DeSantis and. And a whole bunch of, you know, I like, I like, I like Holly. I'm a big fan of DeSantis right now, but I'm always wary of that this early because you never know when somebody's going to do something really stupid or weak about a month after you tell him you like him. I, I like what I see about DeSantis because he is one of the few who does what I believe is a necessity for a candidate. He treats the media like the opposition party <laughs> instead of treating them like the media. You have to treat them that way because that's what they are. Yes, I think that that works for him. You're a... You were a Marine, as we talked about. Are you expecting us to go back into these endless foreign wars that, that you know, that we were in until Trump came along for, for forever? Oh, you bet. We'll be bombing everyone before you know it. Big, big. <laughs> Are you really expecting that? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh, God, please don't. Don't even say. I mean, that. <laughs> It's going to get nasty, isn't it? Of course. That's look. This, that's big a part. Of, that's a big part of why the system rejected Trump was his foreign policy. There's a big old gravy train with that foreign policy, and they want to keep it rolling. Do you Biden think to keep it rolling? Do you think we're going to find out that the raid on the Capitol was there was was an inside job? I mean, are you going to? Is that one of those conspiracies that that we might find out has is some basis in truth here? I'm not one of those people under the delusion we're ever going to find out the truth about anything anymore. <laughs> do you do you ever plan to run for office again? No. Those days are over? Over. Do you think a celebrity, because I think someone could do what Trump did, who's not Trump, and like, like a Tucker Carlson, could he be Trump? Could he get rallies like Trump and, and energize the base like Trump? Could. He could. You never know what, what kind of chops somebody have in front of a crowd. You got to rev up the crowd, and Tucker probably can pull it off. He's pretty stinking talented. 
But do you think they would try to destroy him? We point out they viewed Trump as, as evil and said, we're going to go get him. If they're not trying to destroy you, that's because you're no threat to them. They better try to destroy him or he ain't worth anything. And you and you think that it's going to get worse before it gets better? No question. Beginning next week, you you predicted, by the way, I said they should uh, start the impeachment on Wednesday. You predicted, you said they should start it like this week <laughs> before Biden took office. I was right. Uh, what's her name? The congressman from uh, Georgia. She's said she's going to file articles of impeachment next week. <laughs> next Wednesday. I assume you applaud that. Oh, absolutely. hundred uh, percent. Look, I would rather no president ever gets impeached for a partisan reason, but if they're going to do it to ours, then we have to do it to theirs. Otherwise, they'll just continue doing it. If we don't make them live by their own rules, then they'll never change. These people are not going to voluntarily back off. I have to back them off or they're never going to change. Before I let you go, your answer to I love your answer to the statues coming down. Your answer to tearing down them, uh, tearing down one Robert E. Lee statue. Tell me what what your response to that is. Yeah, every, every time they tear down a statue, you should pick whoever statue that was and build 10 more of them immediately. That's how you win against the left. You don't Even win if, by saying sorry and tearing just a couple down. These people are absolute animals who want to completely destroy your society. Show them they can't. You either back them off or they won't back up. All right. That's, uh, he's Jesse Kelly. You can follow him on Twitter as I do. Jesse Kelly DC or the Jesse Kelly show. You can get that. You can find that online. He's uh, He's been right about most things since uh since the lockdown, you're right about Fauci too, by the way, he was another guy that, you know, you were ahead of the curve on that one. Yeah. I appreciate it, Jerry. Thank you very much, my man. All right. Thanks, Jesse. We will talk to you again, pal. Thanks. All right. Next up is Janice Dean, who joined Jerry on March 12th, 2021. And this is when you could really start to see the writing on the wall for New York governor, Andrew Cuomo. And Janice was all over this, basically from the beginning of COVID talking about openly talking about how Cuomo's mismanagement of COVID by requiring nursing homes to accept COVID-positive patients resulted in thousands of deaths and then the cover-up that followed. But he was still receiving celebrity status from an eager media and his brother. But it, it really started to unravel when Andrew Cuomo's rampant sexual misconduct started coming out. Well, Jerry and Janice talked about whether or not it would be acceptable if he were only punished for the sexual misconduct and not his mismanagement of COVID. Will that be enough as long as he was gone for public life? Well, Cuomo did end up resigning in August, but it still remains to be seen whether or not he will be accountable for his COVID response and the deaths that followed. So here is Jerry with Janice Dean. Joining us now is our favorite guest. I think our favorite and most popular guest, the uh, weather person from Fox News. That's one of her one of her gigs. She's also an advocate for the elderly, a uh, voice for the voiceless, and now author of uh, soon-to-be bestseller, Make Your Own Sunshine, our friend Janice Dean. Hi, Janice. How are you? I am good, my friend. How are you, Jerry? Uh, I'm great. I just have to ask you, I feel this way when I watch you and you make lots of appearances and you, uh, and, and, and you're, and you never let up. Do you feel like you're winning? I mean, I'm not sure you felt that way in the beginning. You might, maybe you felt like it was a long road and it was maybe an impossible task, but you have been on this for whatever. It's been nine, 10 months I really feel like you are winning this battle and you're winning it big. It has to be satisfying. Not It's not over yet, but it has to be pretty satisfying for, from your perspective. I don't know. I, I guess I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I know that 
the governor is wounded. There's no question. There's allegations of harassment. And finally, the big channels are starting to cover him, not for the reasons that I would like them to cover right. him. Um, but there's certainly, uh, there's certainly movement and people are really waking up to the fact that he's a bully. He's been a bully his whole career. Um, the threatening people, um, uh, just really dirty, you know, dirty political tactics to, um, to get at people. Um, it's, it's sad in a way because he's gotten away with it for so long. You know, he really has for, for many years now, all of these people are finally feeling that it's a safe place to come out and talk about their experiences. And, People ask me if if they're you know I'm I'm mad because the coverage of him has been about the sexual harassment charges, and listen, no woman should ever have to experience something like that. I've had to experience that in my career. Uh, it's never okay, but it's all part of the same person. You know, he he's a bully. He's been in power for so many years. He feels like he is untouchable. I'm not surprised that he demeans women and makes them feel intimidated um, because that's what he's been doing his whole life, really, political life. Um, go ahead. Yes, uh, six months ago, I mean, we talked to you a few months ago and before the all these sexual uh, uh, assault and harassment charges came to light and I wasn't sure if you were going to bring him down. I certainly was hoping. I've called it the worst scandal in American political history. And if anyone wants to refute that, you tell me where there, where anyone has directly led to the death of 15,000 people. That's, I mean, that didn't happen in Watergate. You know, that didn't happen in any scandal in my lifetime, at least. And it was outrageous that the media was ignoring it. It was frustrating as hell from my perspective, and I'm sure it was much, much worse for you to get so little coverage and they continue to fawn over him, many in the media and God knows Hollywood, you know, all the the Ben Stillers and Chelsea handlers, they just ignored it. And I feel this way. I know, I know uh, a lot of people, especially conservatives are mad now because they're covering the sexual harassment charges and still ignoring the nursing home scandal. But in my mind, Janice, if it takes tax evasion to bring down Mm. Al Capone, so be it. Without this, I'm not sure everyone would have woken up and to the nursing home scandal. So I'm okay with the fact that they're getting them on this, as long as they get them on something. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you agree completely or if you uh, are still frustrated that you're getting people like you, you've written a, a, a number of times, people in the New York Times will write a whole story about the sexual harassment with no mention of the nursing home scandal. I think you're right. And you're right about the Al Capone. Uh, My husband said that weeks ago when the first few allegations were coming out and, and, you know, lawmakers were finally saying, you know, time to resign. He said exactly that, the tax evasion Al Capone uh, comparison. And you're right. I feel the same way. If this is what brings him down, I'm okay with that as long as the investigations continue. Uh, There's a federal investigation. There's an FBI investigation. I believe the DOJ investigation under the uh, current administration and the Trump administration should continue. Um, I believe there is a corrupt money trail uh, when it comes to the nursing home scandal. It wasn't science that he was basing his mandate on. It was hospital lobbyists. Um, why weren't, why didn't they use the comfort ship and the Javits center and all of those federal, um, makeshift hospitals that, you know, millions of dollars from taxpayers paid for, and they went 
empty. So you're right. I think whatever brings him down, uh, as long as those investigations continue, uh, because I believe they're, they are criminal. You, you read, and it was one of the most, I tweeted about it, the column by, uh, like Linda Stassi in the New York Daily News oh. today. It was the most unbelievable thing I tweeted about. It. She talked about how uh, he was the perfect guy still during this pandemic. And I guess there's still going to be some old soldier on that island. But I looked at that and I said, that's how you know Janice Dean is winning. This woman appears insane. She's writing oh. about how great Cuomo is and ignoring all the nursing homes and, and basically downplaying, minimizing the, the sexual harassment. But, but but let's face it, Janice, she's a joke. Linda, that column was a joke, which means you've changed everything. Or you yeah. and people like you, Ronald Kim and others, have changed everything. Nobody can credibly look at Cuomo as a as a legit leader anymore. It's just and and you know a, a guy who has a future in politics. That's all over. And I like to think of it is because of you. Oh well. Let's see how what happens. Let's talk in, you know, let's talk in six months and see where we are. I do hope it's over for him. I do. Um, there were a lot of people that that wanted to ha- have this happen. I was just the one that had the biggest microphone. Right. Uh, and uh, it's funny because I'm out with this book about making sunshine and, and people are like, well, how can you go on and promote a book about making sunshine when you're like, you know, the lady that's trying to bring down the governor. And I think it's, it's the, it's, I'm the same person and being an advocate is also making sunshine because you're shining light on a situation that deserves to be paid attention to. And hopefully the, the things that I'm trying to do to raise awareness for will make sure that it never happens for another family. I mean, this, we can't have nursing homes, uh, uh, go through a pandemic like this and, and have this sort of corruption and blanket immunity and, 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 and money exchange for patients. I mean, these are lives we're talking about. These are human beings. Um, so you know, I'm the same person. Uh, I love doing the weather and I love talking about National Cheeseburger Day and I love writing stories about people doing kind things for others. But I also am an advocate for on behalf of my family and the thousands of families that deserve it. And, and a great one. And I was I, the big question I get, and I'm sure you get a lot more, is why March 25th, you have the order to put coronavirus positive patients in nursing homes even though the comfort ship is comfort ship is empty, Javits Center is almost empty. And the question is, why would you do it? What do you get from it? And I think you touched on one of the theories is the money from the nursing home owners and the nursing home lobbyists. The other one is using the comfort ship makes Donald Trump look good. Is it both those things, one or the other? What is the motivation in your opinion? I know we don't know definitively, but what motivated him to do this heinous thing? I'm not sure. I have speculation. I, I do think it has to do with, you know, he he probably didn't want anything good uh, from the administration back then. Um, you know, even the vaccines he, he didn't want to take because they came from the Trump administration. So you do have to look at that. But I think it's more nefarious than that. I think um, I think there is a mon- there was a money exchange uh, between COVID patients and the nursing homes. Why did he put a blanket immunity in place like four days after that mandate? You know, he knew there was going to be deaths, I think. Um, it's just, it's so unbelievable when you sit and think about it. The fact that 
he really didn't care about these people. Like, like he said, I mean, he's, he's been on TV saying, well, who cares if they died in the nursing home or the hospital, who cares? They died. That's him. That's totally him. He doesn't care at all. That's one of the turning points I thought when he made that insane statement and everyone you know, saw it and you go, who cares? And you, the other one obviously is Ron Kim when he was trying to bully him, the assemblyman, a Democrat who lost a relative in the nursing home. He joined you, your forces, I mean, publicly really came out. That was a turning point. But my favorite turning point, Janice, and tell me if if I got this right, was uh, one Richard Azopardi, spokesman for um, Cuomo who said, was asked about Janice Dean, and I said, and he said, quote, last I checked, she's not a credible source on anything except maybe the weather. And I said, way to go, uh, Richard, poke the bear. I knew, I kind of thought how you would uh, respond to that, as well as pe- your supporters and, and Megyn Kelly and your friends said, here we go. Did that motivate you, or were you already completely 100% motivated? Did that light a fire under you? Well, certainly, because that's their bullying tactics. They want to silence you, so they diminish you. And that was a very sexist comment. I don't think he would have said that about a man. Um, but he that's his thing. I mean, he's just an extension of Cuomo, right? He's a bully. Um, he has threatened people. He's called people on the phone at midnight and screamed in the air, law, lawmakers and reporters. Um, so the more I get to know Cuomo and the people he surrounds himself with, the less I am surprised at a comment like that. And I just thought to myself, yeah, low hanging fruit. I mean, get creative here. You know, the weather girl to thing. That's, that's what I say on Twitter when people come after me, like, "Eh, just stick with the weather. It's like, you, you really, uh, you're not creative at all here. Um, but certainly it, he got my back up a little bit, but yeah, it just made me want to talk more. I, I, somehow I think two deceased loved ones, people who didn't have to die, perhaps that's uh, enough to give you uh, plenty of uh, credibility or uh, <laughs> the idea yes. that losing a loved one isn't enough. Some have to be an expert on what, on virology or on, on nursing homes. I don't understand what you and what kind of credentials you need to be outraged by this. Do you think more than, uh, as much as Cuomo, the media has been exposed, particularly the, the New York media that has been carrying his water for decades. They'll continue to get away with this. I mean, it's it's a spotlight on them and the fact that they didn't cover this. And all of the news organizations, I, I highlighted that this morning, uh, that they didn't spend a whole lot of time on this latest sixth accuser. Um, but that's not surprising. You know, they, they really didn't cover him during the 15,000 COVID nursing home deaths and or the cover up and instead did interviews fawning over him with his book. So you know, I'll never forget that. And the families that lost loved ones will never forget that, but they'll get away with it and they'll do continue you, to do it. How do you want this to end Is a resignation, which nobody expects and you've tweeted about it and he's never going to resign or uh, whatever impeachment. Is that enough or do we need prison? Hmm. I think it's criminal. I don't think he'll ever go to prison. Even my husband says that, you know, he, it's just, is probably not going to happen. Um, but I want the full extent of the law. You know, if he did something that was against the law, obstruction, obstruction of justice or, you know, covering for his lobbyist buddies who were lining his pockets, making money off of book, uh, and essentially making money off of dead relatives and dead New Yorkers. Um, 
yeah, I do it. I mean, justice for all. I've seen the video of Chris Cuomo with the big uh, Q-tip and I've seen him laughing and giggling. It has to be a hundred times at this point. I always wonder what's your reaction. Does it continue to infuriate you or do you like it? Because it is embarrassing as hell for the governor that he was obviously not taking this thing seriously at the time. He was on with his brother nine times in the two months after he sent coronavirus positive patients into nursing homes. Mm-hmm. That was the thing that actually motivated me to go on television. So I'll really? always, yep. So even though it physically makes me sick, it also is a reminder of what made me go on Tucker Carlson the night after that. You know, that was sort of the, that was the final straw, the final Q-tip that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, the the callousness, the, the the comedy routine while thousands of body bags are piling up. I mean, it was just, no, I mean, that was the turning point. So although, you know, that's an iconic picture, it's it was the turning point for me to, to speak out and tell my story. You must have laughed out loud when CNN said, we're not going to allow Chris to cover his brother anymore because he's been covering him for nine months, but now that his brother's in trouble, we're going to let someone else do it. So it's okay when his brother was a hero, but now that his brother is a villain, Chris can't, uh, can't touch it. I think they should put him on leave. Actually. I just think he, uh, he can't be objective really. And especially if the harassment charges keep coming out and he's not covering it. I just think he cannot be an objective. Is he a journalist? Is he, what, what is he really? So, you know, I think if the shoe was on the other foot and it was on Fox and we had, you know, a brother of a a leader that was going through something uh, really um, terrible, I, I think that Fox would, you know, probably say, let take a extended vacation for a little bit. You know, you can't remain objective. What did you think of Andrew Cuomo one year ago today before he ordered the patients, the coronavirus patients into nursing homes? Did you know and did you suspect any of this, that he was this callous, that he was this narcissistic? Did you or did you have no opinion of him? No, I actually thought he was doing a good job, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. In the very beginning, um, when we were scared and didn't know, I mean, this time last year, we were starting to go into lockdown and uh, you didn't know what was going on. You You just wanted information. And he was providing that information at his PowerPoint presentations and he was calm. And I even suggested on social media, I was like, wow, you know, he seems to know what he's doing and calming everyone down. And that's before the dam broke, you know, that's before everything happened. And, um, you know, now, now we know that he's been, he's been really a terrible person for much of his career. Right. Which is what's so glorious about what you're doing. You're not just exposing the scandal. You're exposing the man who's been in the public eye for 40 years. And now just now we're learning what an awful human being he is. And I'll tell you, if he weren't so well connected, if he weren't a Democrat, it would be a hell of a movie. Because this is what great movies are about, you know, about revenge and or justice, bringing someone like this, exposing him and bringing him to justice. And I mean, I, I, I respect the hell out of what you're doing. And I cannot wait to the, see the conclusion. I hope it ends up with prison. But if it at least ends up in, in disgrace, would that be good enough? If he is disgraced and we all know the truth and your in-laws and 15,000 other, 15, other voiceless uh, people, victims get justice. Is that 
Is that yeah? The, the, I never want him to run for office again. Ooh, that's a good. That's a good one. And I'd like to maybe keep if he keeps his hands off, you know, twenty-five-year-old girls. Yeah, it's probably be, a good idea too. That would be nice too. Well, the book is there right behind you, and I was going to ask you this before we go. It's kind of I don't know if it's a a paradox or a conflict for you because you are this happy, smiling, you know, everything optimist on in your day job, you know, and it, and it's like in your, in your spare time, you're busy bringing down this tyrant and you can only be so cheery when you're trying to bring a guy down who is responsible for the death of thousands of people. So is there a little bit of a, a conflict inside Janice Dean? Yeah, of course. I mean, this is, they're, they're both there. I am that person who wants to bring light to corruption and a terrible leader that I think helped kill my in-laws. Uh, I want to shed light. Sunlight is the best disinfectant for that. But on the other side of it, I've always been an optimistic person as well, uh, who have, who has gone through challenges like everyone else and wanted to highlight other people's, um, stories of going through something in their lives and realizing that they want to be good people afterwards, that they want to spread goodness like sunshine. So I am both, the, both of those things can be the same uh, happening at the same time. Um, so, I mean, you could think of it as the storm, the storm happening, then the sunshine comes out. Well, and that, you- that's kind of what's happening. I, I don't know if you got the same seven-figure advance that Andrew. No, no, no sorry, no. <laughs> Which is amazing because I couldn't imagine, even if without the scandal, who the hell would read that book? And I'm sure nobody did. I'm sure it was People a, did. It was a New York Times bestseller. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It sold, I think, over 40,000 copies. People wow. bought it. I, well, here's, here's hoping that you sell at least, I don't know, oh. 40,001 Let's hope that you sell more than he, mm-hmm. than he, and by the way, can you imagine having that on your shelf now looking up and there's Andrew Cuomo with a book about leadership during the pandemic. I actually think they can use that in a court of law against him. So oh, his good. words that he wrote definitely can be used. And I'm not sure if you're involved, but some of the victims families are demanding or asking that the profits from the book be donated. Mm-hmm. Obviously. Makes sense to me. I don't it know. It does. Yeah, they should get all of the profits. I mean, because he basically made money off of the dead New Yorkers. Oh, I mean, he's just so despicable. And thanks to you, we all see it now. Never too I know he's gotten away with it for a long time, but finally... He's, he's, and, and you know what, Janice? He's not sleeping well. Even though he's, a, he's been always a sociopath, I think he's tossing and turning and visions of you and others <laughs> in his mind saying... Damn, I almost got away with it. If it wasn't that damn weather girl. The weather lady. The weather lady. Well, the book is Make Your Own Sunshine. Move your head just a little so we can. Oh, yeah, here, wait. Make Your Own Sunshine by Janice Dean. This is what, your second grown up book? Yes. And then I have the Freddie the Frogcaster series. No, you haven't heard. That's been canceled. You know, Freddie (laughs) was was something about uh, Freddie. Freddie's racist. No, I hope not. I hope people, they still love green frogs. (laughs) Honestly, without without Janice's uh, Twitter feed, I don't even know if we have content the last year. So the least our audience can do is go buy that book wherever they can. And I'm serious about that. Jerry literally has like an alert. He has notifications on. I I absolutely, absolutely enjoy your your work it is god's work you're you're you know doing the angels work here and uh it's not over yet but it has been an amazing 
uh, effort on your part and others uh, to, to bring down this monster. And before even the New York Daily News and any day now, even even Ben Stiller and Chelsea Handler are going to say, we're done. This guy's not who we thought we were. What a piece of garbage. And they're going to move on. It's going to be glorious, Janice, and mostly due to you. So Aww, keep up you, my friend. work and good luck with the book. And uh, thanks for uh, joining us again. And we'll do it again. We'll, we'll, of we'll course we will. We yes. will get an update, you know, when it's over, when he's taken away in chains in an orange jumpsuit, <laughs> we will have you on again to take a bow. Oh, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me have a voice on your program as well. All right. The uh, intersection of sports, culture, and politics is at the heart of a new weekly podcast, The Long Game with LZ and Leach, because sticking to sports in 2021 and probably 2022 just isn't possible. Sports extends beyond what happens on the field, court, or the pitch. It's in everything, which is why LZ Grandison and Will Leach cover the expanding world of sports and how the events on the field affect events off the field and vice versa. New episodes are out every Wednesday, so you can head to therecount.com or your preferred podcast platform to listen to all available episodes. I would have been telling you about Shea Concrete for a long, long time. Today, we're sitting with the man who makes it all work, the man in charge of the whole place, my brother-in-law, Greg. Hey, Greg, seems like business is booming at Shea Concrete. We're cranking that out, Jerry. Well, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, what's holding you back these days? We could use some good help. You need people? We need people. How many people do you need? At least 20 people. 20? Well, what kind of people? We have positions driving trucks, working in the production plants, estimating engineers, all kinds. Do you need any podcasters? <laughs> I know. We do have the precast podcast. Well, I, I think it seems like a great place to work, as I tell people. It's a family atmosphere. You guys are good to your people. There's a great gym here at the headquarters. Uh, what's holding you back? Why can't you find people? Besides being to work on time, you have to pass the drug test. Ooh, <laughs> you have to pass a drug test. That's all it takes. All right, if people want to uh, come see you, they want to talk, what do they have to do? Bunch of ways. They can, if they want to be a team member, they can go to shakeconcrete.com, fill out an application. They can come to our, any of our offices. We got four locations. They can call me up directly. They can email jobs at shakeconcrete.com. And you'll give them a hat? And we'll give them a hat. Hats. Yep. All right, sounds good. Shakeconcrete.com. I saw a really cool, uh, nice cafeteria here. Can we go have lunch? Oh, absolutely. We got empanadas and chicken. <laughs> Excellent. I don't know what they are, but I'm going to go have an empanada. All right, last up for today is Bobby Burak, who joined the show on March 24th. And Bobby is from Outkick. And Jerry and Bobby talk about life as non-woke media members, particularly in sports, and how media companies are now way more worried about PR than they are about even making money. And they talk about a lot more. So here is Jerry with Bobby Burak. Bobby Burak from Outkick. I'd describe you this way and tell me if it's accurate. A non-woke sports media critic. And I don't think I've ever, there's not many of those. Not many of those. When you joined Outkick, I told, uh, Colin and I were talking about, I said, this is perfect because there's a real uh, uh, void there. There's a real need there. For somebody who does the sports media thing, it doesn't immediately fall back on the same old, you know, Tired tropes saying, oh, oh, we need more whatever female what a play-by-play guys. And, I mean, it seemed like they all write and say the same thing. And in comes Bobby Burak at Outkick with a refreshing take. It is not 
the 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 pre- predictable usual woke take from sports media critics do i have that right to bobby burek the non-woke sports media critic yeah jerry i think uh what people don't realize on the outside that uh, read and consume media coverage there's so many unwritten rules rules that i broke early on i'll give you a perfect example you probably remember when espn put all this money into high noon with bomani jones and right. Pablo Torre. they spent a lot of money this is a show that you know Bomani was coming off a failed radio stint where he had lost over 90 affiliates. But I was told, hey, you know, you can't criticize Bomani and Pablo. But that, you know, go, go after Skip Bales, go after Colin Coward, go after Dave Portnoy. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are these guys protected? So when, when I was really the first national voice to say, hey, look, at this guy has been giving millions of dollars a year from ESPN. He's failed. He's going to fail on high noon. And he did fail on high noon in two different spots. And people around the industry – you know, they, they wanted to silence that voice because people like Bomani, Jamel, Pablo, Michelle Beadle, those are people that I was told, hey, you know, you can't criticize them. They're okay. Go after these guys. And I would never play by those rules, Jerry. It's a, it's a, it's a great example. I always use the Jamel Hill example, who's failed again. She failed in that six o'clock show with Michael right. Smith. And, you know, writing, she's not a particularly good writer, but it doesn't matter. They just keep, she keeps getting hired. Bill Simmons hires her do a podcast about a TV show that's been off the air for 15 years to do a wire podcast that I'm sure has like three listeners. It doesn't matter. There's some people that always have, there'll, there'll always be more opportunities for them. And one reason they, they do that is because they know the coverage will be positive. They know there aren't any or many Bobby Buracks out there who are going to say, Hey, this guy doesn't get any ratings. And Bamani's another great example. The guy, has failed many, many times, but I can promise you, he will always have a job. He'll always have someone willing to hire him because that's the that's the culture these days in media, particularly in sports media. Well, and the thing about sports media, as much as ESPN's executives will say this is a business, they're not making business decisions on the programming side unless they absolutely have to. They're making PR decisions. They're not thinking about, okay, if I put this person on TV, if I fire this person, what's the ratings going to say? They're saying, no, what's PR going to say? What's Richard Deitch going to say? Uh, What is the New York Times going to write? What is Twitter going to tweet? That's how they're making their decisions. A total slap in the face to all sports fans because their voice doesn't matter right now. It's those that don't watch sports that are dictating what ESPN and other big major sports media companies are doing. You, you, um, uh, tell me if you agree with this, that people don't realize, the general public doesn't realize that the sports media, particularly ESPN, high-profile network people, you know, ABC, NBC, they're every bit as left-wing, every bit as woke as the news media, every bit as woke as New York Times and, and CNN and MSNBC. I mean, they're, they were there was consensus across the board at ESPN that Colin Kaepernick was a freaking hero, an American hero. They weren't allowed to say uh, hell, a negative word about the guy. And if you did, they looked at you like, what are you, nuts? He's just kneeling for police brutality. What's wrong with you? I mean, you know, part of one of the appeals when I moved out kick was I got to cover the cable news industry, which I actually probably cover more than sports now. So covering MSNBC, CNN and ESPN, there's not much of a difference as far as political leanings. I would argue a lot of times ESPN is even more aggressive 
and left-wing politics in certain storylines because at least sometimes CNN and MSNBC will provide the news than the opinion where ESPN, right. they just skip that news part and go right into the opinion. Like I got a good example for you during the NBA playoffs, probably had a million viewers. Jalen Rose blurted out during halftime, arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. Now look, what happened to Breonna Taylor was a tragedy. Should never happen. Inexcusable. But to say the cops just murdered her without any context, that's a stretch because there's a whole lot other um, parts of that story that need to be said in order to reach that conclusion. Now, if, if that's what Jalen Rose feels, I have no problem with that. I mean, I would like to discuss that with him because I have right. a different angle from it. But if he's going to say that to a million sports fans, they deserve to know the context of that story. That's a great point. He didn't point. provide that. He just said the cops murdered Breonna Taylor. So, so basketball fans are thinking, wait a minute, a cop just point blank murdered a black woman for no reason? That's the story he said. Gary, again, or Jerry, if that's what his conclusion is, okay, but give the proper context and let the viewers decide if it was just a random murder, which you know that story. That's not how the story went down. They did not just walk in the apartment building and shoot her dead. I, I pointed on Twitter, you know, do people, these people know that her boyfriend shot a cop first? I mean, exactly. It's almost like you're not allowed to say that. And I think with ESPN, you mentioned CNN, MSNBC, at least they understand that there's another point of view. They think you're, you know, white supremacist and right. whatever. They don't respect it, but they know there's a debate to be had. At ESPN, they don't even understand that there are two sides. And think of their big debate show. It's Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman, two hardcore left-wingers, both of whom, you know, support Colin Kaepernick and think that, uh, you know, police, whatever, uh, brutality is an epidemic in America. They they think the same way on the big issues. I mean, they might debate whether, you know, who, which which quarterback, you know, right. who or this guy or whatever. They might debate those issues, which aren't really big deals. But on the big stories of the day, they agree, like everybody at ESPN agrees and the idea that you would dissent and and I think I think COVID brought a lot of this out too when you had people that you know were against lockdowns and they'd look at you and you go what are you nuts they're trying to protect us and you go have you read up have you under do you understand there are there's two sides to this they don't want to hear it they don't want to hear it two two months ago you probably remember this the Washington Post, which I think is the absolute worst outlet. I can I, I find them to be completely dishonest, misleading. Yes. They tweeted out that um, Jacob Blake was unarmed. Factually incorrect. He had a knife on him. Uh, again, not making excuses, but that's a part of the story. Um, and they tweeted that out, and I you know, corrected them on Twitter. I don't want to name names, but a pretty prominent sportscaster reached out to me saying, why was it necessary for you to point that out? <laughs> I said, well, I mean, again, if he's not unarmed, he's not unarmed. <laughs> you know, if he has a knife on him, that does not make him an unarmed person, like they said. For the Washington Post to write that, and they eventually corrected it after enough scrutiny, that's incredibly irresponsible months after they knew that he had a knife on him. The thing is, is it doesn't matter if they know. They don't want that to be the story. 
if people in sports media that were retweeting this, people from Bleacher Report, ESPN, they knew that he wasn't unarmed, but they didn't want that to be the story. They were perfectly fine with the misleading narrative that he did not have a knife on him. That's problematic for me. If you're working for a place like the Washington Post, which, believe it or not, does have a lot of credibility and reaches a lot of prominent people. So many storylines that the news industry carries now originates from the Washington Post. Right. And uh, I thought, I, I mean, I found that to be problematic. That is amazing, Bobby. And, and you think about it, they know, he, he admitted he was armed. He said, I picked up the knife. Right. You know, he said, I picked up my knife. And he said, I probably shouldn't have. And you go, okay, that matters. That means you're armed. It's like with the insurrection. Right. Armed in, the first armed insurrection without any arms. And the, the media doesn't want to admit that they didn't have arms they didn't have guns and, and it wasn't an insurrection but besides that it was a wonderful armed insurrection but uh, speaking of uh, incredibly irresponsible um you were writing and uh, i assume tweeting about uh, yesterday's overreaction or premature reaction before the suspect was named ahmad alissa was named and it's just this whole list the usual suspects who tweeted that it was a white man and a white supremacy and you know we got to do something about white men and it's incredible. Then they get then they get the truth. They get the story, and they go, oh, "Whatever, it's still true that lots of white men kill people." There's no sense of you know shame or regret or or responsibility from these people when they when they overreact or when they're flat out wrong. Our vice president's niece, Kamala Harris's niece, immediately after this um, the shooting came down again, another tragedy. Um, you know awful, disgusting uh, shooting. She goes, white men are the real terrorists in the country. That was a tweet. Um, okay. <laughs> that's, that's quite a statement. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I read a lot of the numbers. I, I don't I, I don't see any evidence that say that terrorists just point to white men. Um, I was looking at some charts. A lot of different races commit crimes, violence, murders. Um, you know, to say that just point blank white men are terrorists, I mean, you tell me, is it that, that that's the definition of an irresponsible comment. Can you imagine saying that about any other race, just that they're terrorists? And you're the vice president's niece. And she said that with no evidence either. Even if you thought it, you'd say, I, I better not do this. It's just they feel free, the freedom to be to be wrong because the person they're wrong about is a white guy. It's like, yeah, whatever. We're wrong. And and they'll just move right from that narrative to the gun instead of the, you know, the jihadist, the Muslim terrorist. Yeah, you know, we don't want to do that. We'll do the gun. We'll move right to the gun. That's uh, what they're all doing Mark, today. Mark Jones, uh, I've written about this guy several well, times. It's, it's incredible. That, uh, keep it up. Keep it up this, because this guy is the... This might the be the dumbest person to ever work for any broadcasting company. I mean, this guy is a complete moron. He has no idea what he's talking about. Um, you know, just a, just a quick background for your listeners. This is the guy that celebrated uh, Nick Bosa tearing his ACL because he might have supported Trump, celebrated his ACL tear, celebrated Rush Limbaugh's death, called Trump a white a terrorist, um, uh, said that police are trying to shoot him, although they're trying to escort him and help them find yeah, his wallet. That, I mean, that's, that's is, the best one, Bobby. The best one, I'm sure I read it from you, was he didn't want a police escort to the games. He's a play-by-play guy right. doing uh, college football, and, or it was, yeah. And he didn't want a police escort because he thought one of them might turn around and shoot him. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, this this guy is, um, you know, as dishonest as and disgusting. You remember ESPN standards? And then, you know, you know, quick sidetrack. Every time he does this stuff, I call ESPN right away and say, 
you know, you guys want to say that those comments do not represent your company. They won't say it, Jerry. You know, easy to be for ESPN to say, you know, we, we don't we don't support celebrating somebody dying of lung cancer. We don't support an athlete blowing out his knee, but they won't do it. That represents everything that's wrong with the media. And, and if anybody from ESPN is watching this, I would say again, you guys are cowards. If you can't say that, you, you I mean you sh you lose all credibility on any other topic because if you won't admit that what he this guy did was wrong, and not only are they not, um, you know, saying what he's doing wrong publicly, they're promoting this guy. They they after he said that they put him on the Ar Army Navy game after right. he, he made all these comments. The Sacramento Kings fired a guy for saying all lives matter and hired Mark Jones. This that guy's being this guy's being rewarded for these comments. That is that's, amazing. All, that's all you need to know about sports media is that what Mark Jones is doing is the path to success. That is amazing, Bobby Burek from Outkick. Think of that. The sec and we've talked about this. I've talked about it a lot in the last year. Grant Napier of Sacramento Kings play-by-play -play guy got fired for tweeting all lives matter. That's it. That's all he did. Got fired. The team hired a guy who celebrated the death of Rush Limbaugh, the injury to Nick Bosa, and said he doesn't want a police escort because he's black and he thinks those cops might turn around and shoot him. That guy got hired, and, and he's, it, a, he's in it, good standing at ESPN. They got no problem. You mentioned reverse of that, Bobby. Imagine you or me saying, you or I saying, uh, gee, um, Malcolm Jenkins tore his ACL. I'm glad he tore his ACL because he supports calling. You can't even criticize Colin Kaepernick, let alone wish, you know, a, a devastating career ending injury on the man. You can't even say, you know, what I disagree with what he's doing or they will jump down your throat. The only way that you or I wouldn't be fired is if Twitter censored that tweet before the bosses saw it. <laughs> because they probably would. I mean, Twitter would see that and it would be down. But no, no. And back on Mark Jackson, his latest one, this one isn't as serious, but this kind of shows you how delusional this guy is. He's now sharing tweets of people saying the only reason Batman doesn't cover his face completely is because he's white. What does that even mean? I mean, I, I don't even understand the point of that. I would love to interview Mark Jones, but Mark Jones face to face and try to get something out of it. Because I don't think this guy knows what he's talking about. You, you've tried, I, I, I assume, and he won't. He won't I would love to. I would, I, you know, Katie Nolan, another one, very uh, bothered by my criticism of her. I've reached out to her publicist. I'd interview her. Um, anyone I criticize, I'm willing to interview. I think they deserve the chance to defend themselves but they don't. So Mark Jones will not return your calls because that'd be a great story. The problem is they don't ever get called out. It's like a real hard, you know, good left-wing, like Joe Biden. I mean, he's used to the media kissing his ass, slobbering all over him. So if Peter Ducey asks one tough question, it's like, whoa, well, they're not used to it. Trump was hardened. His skin was leather. I mean, he could hand, he was used to the hostile uh, reaction, everything. So if you're Biden or Kamala Harris and you get a tough question, you are shocked. You go, what? You're on my side. You're the media. These people are the same way. Mark Jones thinks what he says and does is perfectly normal mainstream thinking that, you know, don't go near the cops. They might kill you or, you know, let's be happy. Nick Bosa is uh, seriously injured because he doesn't hate Donald Trump. That's normal in his mind. Yeah, and you know, to answer your question, I, I've not reached out to him personally about interviewing Zomate, but, but I know what he'll say. I mean, if I were to call him right now, um, 
I wouldn't anticipate him accepting the interview. But it, it goes back to the mindset of these people. But again, what this does, when someone like Mark Jones says this, ESPN executives, they be, they, then they are afraid to not only punish them, but not promote them. Because if right. they don't promote them, then the narrative is, oh, they're holding back Mark Jones because he spoke out about police brutality. Right. Although he did it in a very dishonest way, he basically lied. He didn't say anything um, useful or accurate, but that's the narrative. So much of what ESPN does now, and I've said this to ESPN, this is not me revealing anything new. They're trying to avoid hit pieces from like the New York Times. It's all about PR. This is an incredibly poorly run business. Um, I think they've really ruined what sports fans used to come to as a quote-unquote escape. Um, I mean, you go through that lineup right now, how many shows are just for the average person that wants to watch football on Sunday? I can't find one. Right. It's so true. I mean, Barry Weiss said that when she left the New York Times is it's uh, the Times is edited, run by Twitter and ESPN right. the same way. Their whole goal is to avoid, you know, the, the tweet critics and uh, the tweet Twitter mobs. A lot of, I assume a lot of newsrooms are like that, sadly, and there are certain people who are untouchable. And that's why I, I, I was never a fan of Skip Bayless, but I kind of respect the idea that this 70-year-old white guy is getting $8 million a year, probably driving all those other people you know, nuts. And he just goes on and does his thing, and it's not particularly entertaining in my opinion. But it's like they look at him and go, how did he get in here? <laughs> who invited you? This is we're having our little woke party here in the sports media. No one, you know, we don't, we don't need an old white guy like Skip Bayless, but somehow he has uh, uh, established his value and they pay him. But you've, you've uh, obviously written about lots of other things that we've been talking about. I'm not sure how to keep up with Deshaun Watson at this point. I mean, we we're talking now and this podcast will be posted like in a half hour. So there might be like six or eight more accusers by then. But right now we have, 16 lawsuits and uh, at least 24 women who are going to come forward. Um, uh, Colin and I, were just talk and I were just talking about this. And here's what I think could happen, and it'll make matters much, much worse. Bobby, tell me if you agree, that one or two or three or five of these women start talking, telling their story to whoever, to the Houston Chronicle or to Bobby Burak at OutKick, and go into detail of what Watson does, you know, what he's into, what, what his little – perversions fetishes are and then it's over then you can't look at him the same again then he's just a freak he's not a young stud superstar potential superstar quarterback um yeah this story um i, I know you've probably been on it a lot of people have touched it some people have ignored it completely multiple things are true at once here and i want to want to go break them down in order um i i believe in all cases in due process and I know a lot of people that I don't agree with do not, including, you know, Andrew Cuomo supporters who right. didn't want to provide Brett Kavanaugh due process, but now want due process. I said from the beginning, um, you know, I think Cuomo deserves due process. And I think Deshaun Watson does. So that's, that's point number one. I don't know what happened. I, I, I have no idea. No one in the media knows either. Point number two is this doesn't look good. I mean, that's fair to say. I mean, last I checked. 16 lawsuits, 24 women have come forward. It doesn't look good. I mean, it's, a, you know, I think three different, you know, several different states involved. Um, right. Does not look good. And I'll say point number three, we've covered athletes, talk with the media overall, much more speculation 
criticism than Deshaun Watson has gotten. I mean, you know, a lot of people have steered clear from this, but it is the same people that crushed Drew Brees for supporting the flag. Um, you know, said that Josh Allen deserves to fail because his supporters like the American flag and the dog. That was Dominique Foxworth. Right. So I think a lot of different things are going on here. I mean, you know, to your point about people start speaking up and detailing it, I, I think in certain circles that will have a lot of impact. But I think so much is driven by what the narrative around the story is. And so far, it's been pretty quiet, wait and see. Um, I don't know what the NFL does here. I mean, Clay Travis and Outkick said yesterday he thinks there's a 0% chance that Watson plays the entire season. Maybe I'm not ready to go that far because I just don't know how the NFL is going to respond to this. All our civil lawsuits, I I, I just don't know right now because the the pressure on the NFL to do something is not nearly comparable to past incidents thus far. Right. Although – as soon as the, the cops get involved, that there are some crim- if there's a criminal right. investigation, well, that, that's totally different. Totally different. It's criminal. And you know the NFL has come down hard on some guys. I think Clay Travis is right. He's going to miss. I mean, you got Brady got four games for allegedly taking air out of a football. So right. I think um, this is it's uh, at any level is not cool. I mean, it's misogyny. It's sexism at, at some point uh, at least, and it's uh, a violent crime at most. And uh, whatever, uh, however the civil trials turn out is one thing, but if the if the cops get involved in their criminal charges, then it all changes. It's just amazing. Right. A week at, ago, at that point, at that point, you know, all bets are off. I mean, at that point, he'd be facing you know, legal trouble. He wouldn't be, you know, possible jail. I mean, that 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 changes everything if criminal cases come down. And the and the lawyer that's representing the women, he said that he's requesting a grand jury. The Houston uh, district attorney. Going to decide whether or not to grant him that grand jury. I mean, that would add, as you know, a whole different layer to this. So, if you were to ask me that same question post decision on a grand jury, you know, my answer would probably be incredibly different. It is potentially just the most explosive story since. Oh yeah, no question. Um, but before before we let you go, Bobby, it's getting scary. You have to admit, with the new administration and the new in the empowering of big tech in so many ways. It's going to get worse before it gets better. And I guess we're all going to have to depend on Donald Trump's new social media platform. We're all going to have to sign up for Trump Wire. That's what I've decided it's going to be called, Trump Wire. And maybe that'll be this bastion of free speech. But I don't know. I, I, it just feels ominous. I don't know if you agree with me on that. It feels ominous that, that, the, that the woke mob is more powerful than ever right now. Yeah, well, it, not only are they more powerful than ever, the people that are listening to them, they're, they have less of a backbone than ever, which is giving them power. I don't even think it's that like these woke people like are threatening. I just think that the people that are making these decisions, whether it be from major media companies or politicians or uh, you know across the Hollywood industry, they are so afraid of certain labels that they will do whatever they can, not worried about the bottom line just to make sure they don't get labeled a racist, a bigot, or whatever. I mean, those, though, that label, and, I, and I've written about this several times before, that carries so much power. It can right. be said by Kamala Harris. It can be said by somebody that joins Twitter tonight. Right. And then th- that will get people to react. Uh, I think that explains so much of what's been going on. I mean, uh, business people, 
I cannot believe how much they have chosen to operate out of fear as opposed to operating out of what is in their best interest. I mean, at some point, you kind of stumble, I guess, you say, wow, are these people really they're not as greedy as financially as we think because they're just trying to survive. I think what's really going on here to sum it all up, they know if you're in a position of power and you don't respond to these demands or these threats or these, you know, whatever you want to call them, these out, these outrage messages, you become vulnerable in your job because then somebody under you can say, Hey, you know, if I was in that position, I would have fired that person. I would have banned that person. I would have cut, I would have cut ties with that segment. I would have deleted that tweet. So I think these decision makers know that they have to be woke or those above them will come down on them. Yeah, it's it's almost a requirement. It's frightening, frightening. But you know, that's why there's a market for outkick and, and for Bobby Burak, because there's not many people doing what you're doing, what you guys are doing. And uh, keep it up, Bobby Burak. We appreciate the time and uh, we will talk to you again down the road.